You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. I am your host, Ben Wolf. Uh, we're privileged today to have a guest who is a professional EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System Implementer, for the first time. Uh, anyone out there who has read Gino Wickham's book, Attraction, or been to a local entrepreneurs organization meeting, um, you know, uh, you might have heard of, uh, of EOS, which is a comprehensive set of tools and processes that uh, entrepreneurial businesses, basically meaning businesses that are you know, above the startup phase, you know, somewhere between 10 and 250 employees uh, that entrepreneurial businesses use to get focused and stay focused uh, and accountable and their teams accountable on achieving the goals that they set out to accomplish. Uh, they get past that point when they hit the ceiling and, and start achieving traction. Uh, now, our, as usual, our goal on, uh, on this show is to share the wealth by bringing on guests and talking about things uh, where people are not only sharing interesting or amazing entrepreneurial stories and experiences, uh, but they're actually sharing information based on their own experience that adds value for anybody listening uh, by giving them information, tools, uh, knowledge that they could use in their own businesses. So, um, you know, with that preface, I will just say that uh, introduce our guest today, who is a professional EOS implementer. Um, and they're authorized to help companies implement the, the EOS system in their own businesses. Uh, and he's the owner of M1 Core Traction uh, in Orange County, California area. And he's serving clients in Southern California, Las Vegas, uh, Hawaii, uh, and um, he is uh, served as president and COO in, uh, in several organizations, uh, printing and graphic design related companies, uh, growing and, and, and running those. And in a, a past life, he actually spent 10 years in the Marine Corps. Uh, during that time, uh, he also served as crew chief on Marine One, the helicopter used by the president. Uh, of the United States, where he was responsible for flying President Clinton around the world. Uh, hopefully we can hear something about that as well while we're talking. And uh, this is somebody who I've uh, connected with recently and has just offered his time and been extremely helpful to me in helping me build up my own business. So I, I definitely feel uh, great feelings of gratitude and you know for, uh, for his wisdom. Uh, you can learn more about him at m1coretraction.com. That's his website, m1coretraction, m the number one, m1coretraction.com. And so without further ado, I uh, introduce you to Mike Wolfgang. Hey, thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for making the time and for hopefully sharing, uh, hopefully sharing information and uh, experiences, stories, that people can relate to and uh, just that you know sharing information that you know, that can help benefit people they could use right away um so uh one thing one thing you 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 have on your website on linkedin and everything is that uh, you grew up in an entrepreneurial household um so uh, you know if you, if you don't mind get to tell me a little about that what was your business experience i mean uh, growing up how old were you like tell me about that yeah so so my uh, my stepmom had her own HR executive search firm. Um, as a <clears throat> as a middle school and high school student, I actually uh, 
helped type resumes for my stepmom and you know mm-hmm. she Are so she nice? would pay me my allowance in exchange for typing up resumes okay. you know, with an actual typewriter um and then back in the day yeah and then my family also owned a marina on the St. Croix River which is a tributary uh, that runs in between Minnesota and Wisconsin and runs into the Mississippi River. So our marina was right where the St. Croix meets the Mississippi River. Uh-huh. Uh, that was from when I was about uh, 11 to 16. And what were you, and, doing? What were you doing there? Oh, I did everything. Um, uh-huh. You know, I tended to the uh, the store. Um, I worked the, uh, the gas docks uh, at night. Or during the day, it, if uh, one of the boats had a mechanical problem or an issue, uh, me and another another kid would get on uh, our tugboat and go hook them up and pull them back to the marina. Wow. And we even got to do a little bit of fishing, too. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, of Ozark, that Jason Bateman show. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> You know, Lake it was the, Lake Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri. But. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of work, but it was not. It was an awful lot of fun. All right. Well, that's really neat. Um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll get back to this later when we, you know, when I because I definitely want to hear about um, some of your other life experiences that you know kind of preceded your corporate and then your entrepreneurial careers, uh, but also, but but with a particular eye towards towards seeing, you know. What did that What did that give you, or what did that you know What did that teach you, or like you know I guess how did that help make you who you are today to to be able to do what you're doing now? I just want to hear about that. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, I I think what it taught me was that, I mean, a number of different things. You know, I learned from actually four sets of parents that. Yeah, because I had my mom living in Canada and her her husband, uh, they were both senior level executives in corporations, mm-hmm. and outside of the marina business, my my dad was a, uh, a sales manager for a large uh, packaging company. Um, okay, and so. You know, we had daily conversations over the dinner table about business. And, you know, what that provided me was, you know, growing up, having a broad range of knowledge of different types of businesses, you know, from my stepmom's, you know, very small boutique HR executive search firm. Mm-hmm. All the way up to you know my mom being senior VP of HR for the large insurance company ING. Um, wow. So you know I got to see you know both breadth and depth of different types of businesses. Uh huh. And uh, and 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 how and how is that? I guess where, where do you see that now influencing? who you are now or what or what you're bringing to your clients now or, or, or whatever well the biggest thing it shows me uh, the biggest thing i learned out of um growing up in an entrepreneurial household is the dynamics of family businesses um so that's one thing that i'm able to help with 
family-owned businesses in my current capacity as a professional EOS implementer, you know, because I get how things mix together and lines are very blurry between your business life and your professional life, and that can cause um, a great deal of tension. And if you don't have a system to operate um, within something like EOS, um, then that tension is likely going to be unresolved and mm -hmm. it's going to become a festering wound for the business. Uh, how do you, I, I guess, I, I guess, I guess in, in my mind uh, that family businesses are more likely to be maybe more resistant to, you know, bringing in an outside structure like that, that that's going to help. Do you see, what do you see as being like, I don't know, the differentiators between the family businesses that can adapt and be more like businesses or, or get, get healthy uh, versus those versus those that don't? What's the, what's the, what's differentiating those? You know, typically in a family owned business, that's going to be open to EOS. It's going to be the second or third generation that's going to bring in an EOS implementer. Uh -huh. um, because it's really, really common for the founder to kind of be stepping out of the business, but still have one foot in. Right. Um, and so the second generation person taking over can really get stuck in the middle of that. And so where we can really help with that is even in even in the first start of the process the 90 minute meeting which costs them nothing um, when we get into asking questions of the owners and the leadership team in this meeting these right. these symptoms of dysfunction are going to come out and then we can address we can address those issues and how we're going to solve them when we go through the six key components of their business. Right. All right. Well, so yeah, so hopefully we can, maybe we can, maybe we can get to the six key components in a little, in a, in a little bit. Hopefully we have time for that. Um, I guess maybe let's just go back, maybe just go back a little bit. Cause I think, uh, I, I got excited. We got a little bit ahead of ourselves, but, um, what, when, uh, when did you first, like, when did you first discover EOS? Or like, you know, which iteration? I know you had all these printing companies, graphic design companies, Thomson Reuters, and things that you were involved in. Where did you, where did you discover EOS? Why did you discover EOS? What was the pain that you were seeing before? So, um, I discovered EOS when I became president of Western Graphics in. Uh, I think it was 2011, um, mm -hmm. and they were currently using EOS. Uh, the owner, uh, the owner was a visionary. Um, I was replacing the previous president, who was the integrator. Um, now, could, now the now a lot of people here may not be familiar with the term as visionary and integrator. Could just uh, maybe just like a brief brief definition. Yeah, absolutely. So. So a visionary is um, typically the owner of a company is going to be be the visionary, and he's the person who has you know twenty you know twenty ideas a week, and maybe one or two of them are good ideas. Um, <laughs> right. And 
And the role of the integrator is to work with um, all of the departments in the organization and keep every, help keep everyone moving and executing and achieving that vision. And the integrator and the visionary work closely together to make sure that um, we are consistently moving towards the vision and the goals that we've established this year. Because without that relationship in place, what can happen is a true visionary without an integrator will on the weekend read a book, then come, in, come into the business on Monday and say, hey, I read this great book, so this is what we're going to do now. And introduce really change direction. Well, and introduce chaos in the into the organization. Um, right. You know, and so so that's the danger without having that process in place. And, um, and you and you and you at this company, you were you were playing the role of the integrator. Exactly. Um, and you know, we had these conversations in our weekly meetings, which we call level ten meetings um, in EOS. Uh, we had these conversations on a weekly basis. They came up in our quarterly sessions. Um, and the role of the implementer for us um, was to help call out uh, tension between me, the owner, and our CFO, which would inevitably come about. Right. And again, the implementer is is what you're doing. And just to review for people, is, is what you're doing now, which is... Which is the professional trainer, coach, uh, therapist, who is, uh, teaching the <laughs> therapist who is teaching, <laughs> teaching and coaching the the leadership team and the visionary through the the process of, of their implementation. That's why they're called EOS implementer uh, of the of the EOS system in their business. Exactly. All right. And uh, okay, so again, so you you were at this company. All right. So 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 basically, the the company was already working on EOS when you when you came in that's how you found out about it yep exactly okay yeah and so what as a leader what I really really loved about EOS um, and they were already at a point where all of their departments were operating on EOS and having their level 10 meetings and what you mm -hmm. do in these level 10 meetings is you review the scorecard, um, you do a rock review, and rocks are 90-day priorities to achieve the annual goals of the business that are designed to help the business achieve their long-term vision. So everyone reports on their rocks, whether they're off track or on track, mm -hmm. and then um, everyone reports on whether they've gotten their to-dos done from the previous week on their to-do list. And then you go into um, issue, discuss, and solve with problem solving. But this, this system of weekly meetings, what it does is it creates peer-to-peer -peer accountability. So when you have a group of peers around the table and one of them is reporting that the rocks are off track and that they're ha they haven't gotten their to-dos done. Mm -hmm. um, 
their supervisor or manager doesn't have to say a thing because it's everyone else around the table who are giving them the stink eye and saying, <laughs> really? Again? Right. And so that drives the performance management process where that person and his or her supervisor will start having what's called a GWC conversation, which right. is, okay, do you get it? Do you want it? Yeah, so do you get the roles and responsibilities of your job? Mm -hmm. Do you want to do this? And do you have the capability? Um, and then if they continue to not perform, then you start moving towards the, the three-strike rule right. um, where you offer assistance, you put in an improvement plan. And what I loved about it is the fact that when it's time for someone to leave, everyone in the organization knows it, including the person who asked to leave. Right. Nobody's being nobody's being blindsided. It's, it's a lot of transparency. Yeah, and, and out in the open. And you're just having open, honest, and empathetic conversations with people. Um, one of the things I'm most proud of as my time as president of Western Graphics is the fact that. I fired five people and three mm. of them became my Facebook friends after the fact at some point <laughs> because they went on to find the job and the culture that fit them, right. you know, so they became better people as a result of leaving the organization. Right. Now, and, and after Western graphics, when, when were you there till? So I was at Western Graphics from 2011 to, I'm going to say 2015. Okay. Um, and so we were acquired by a larger competitor. So then I, I went into the consulting business. Um, I was consulting for a, a friend of mine who owned a company that I used to work for. And... Um, he had a, he had become a distributor for this large format, very high quality three dimensional scanning, uh, used specifically in the decor industry. Okay. So like you can use it to you can use it to scan in an actual, um, piece of wood and then create an image that you can then use to create laminate flooring with the exact color and depth and texture of that wood grain. Okay. So I worked with him for a year to determine, okay, is this a new product line or is this a standalone business? Mm -hmm. um, so after about a year, I determined, okay, you've got a new product line. And I trained two of his sales reps to sell the product and then... Um, I went on to do something else, which ultimately turned into moving to California. Uh -huh. wait, wait, and you were where at that time again? Um, I was in Saint, Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, okay. Uh, beautiful Minnesota. Beautiful in the summer, at least. Yeah, for about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to live in Des Moines, Iowa. They used to say that there, you know, there were there were there were two seasons in there were two seasons in Des Moines. It was like you know winter and August. That was yeah the two seasons of the year. 
And but, um, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, they refer to it as winter and construction season. Great. <laughs> That's the two weeks of construction. Um, so, uh, uh-huh. and uh, okay, so very, very interesting. And um, I guess so for, for your clients, for the people that you're seeing, what what are the, what is the, what is the pain that they're going through? And like, how, I guess, how is this structured approach to, you know, an entrepreneurial business? You don't have to be a giant corporation to have structure. Um, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not a foreign concept to, uh, to, uh, you know, to, a, to a business that's, that's just got a few dozen people or, or, or even a couple hundred people. So what is, uh, I guess, what, what are the biggest pain thing, pain points that you're seeing that people are, that people are having? Well, there's a lot of ways to answer that question. So I'll, there's I'll talk about pain is there's a, there's a wide variety of pain in the world. Exactly. Um, so I'll talk about some pain scenarios that are int- that are very common with EOS clients. Okay. Um, so you've got when you look at practices like law firms, clinics. Um, audiologists, you know, professionals who are good at doing a specific thing. Right. Um, that thing that they're good at doing is often not running a business. Right. So what EOS can help them with is help them define where do they want their business to go um, in the next 10 years and then create a path to get them there. And then we teach them how to break that, break that out into 30, into 90 day chunks um, to achieve this. And, you know, using the level 10 meetings and getting used to doing quarterly rocks, that's going to give them that structure um, and help them get there. Uh, we also, work with them to really tighten their accountability chart so Mm -hmm. we can assure that everyone knows what their role is um they all agree okay what's the the difference by the way just as a tangent here again you know we're using another technical term in terms of what's the difference between an accountability chart and like an, an org chart like you'd find in any company so so an org chart um is typically just a name and a title. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it says who the person is in that seat and what is their title. Whereas what we do with the accountability chart is we don't use a name and a title when we're building the accountability chart. Mm-hmm. We look at okay, what are the functions? that this organization needs to have. Mm-hmm. And so we break down those roles um, by highlighting, you know, really it's about, you know, four to six things that this role is responsible for doing. Right. And we'll do this at the beginning in working with the leadership team. Um, and oftentimes you'll have, let's say, someone who's in a sales manager position 
and you'll define the organization, you'll define the accountability chart for that role. And you may have the person say, now that I see this on paper, that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be in operations. Right. Right. But if you, right. If, if, if you had started off like people usually do, like you say, with, with a title and with a name, if you started people first and then build the structure around that, then you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have come to realize that. Exactly. So you, would, you would have ended up, you know, creating a, the structure of the business around the people, um, as opposed to the, the way EOS does it, which forces you to look at the, uh, to look at structure first, people second, you know, what's, what's, be, what does this business really need? And yeah. Like saying, and to, to look at the accountabilities, like and, you know, an accountability chart. Yeah. And an exercise that we do before building the accountability chart also is we, uh, we do a thing called delegate and elevate. Right. And that's where we, we draw a, a square with four grids and mm -hmm. the top two grids are, it is on the left is, is good at. And then on the top right is likes doing. Right. And then the bottom two are not good at and doesn't like doing. Right. And then we have each member of the leadership team list out all of the things that they do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that they're good at and they like doing and the things that they're not good at and they don't like doing. Right. Um, I certainly, I certainly, you know, I've been there with things that, you know, I'm good at, <laughs> you know, but I don't like doing it anymore. But because I'm good at it, I just end up continuing having to do it. Yeah. So, so that's another that's another exercise that helps us clarify, you know, where we want people to be within the account the accountability chart as well. Right. Right. You want right. You want you want people to be the leadership team or any level. I mean, ideally, you want people to be energized by what they're doing, not drained, right. uh, and, and and drained or dreading what they're doing. And, yeah. Uh, so, did we go down a tangent there? Maybe a little bit, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, basically, I, I mean, I had asked, I had asked for you know examples on, uh, on, uh, on the, uh, I, I guess that you know the main pain points that you see people having, and uh, and, and how those how those are being addressed. Um, what should people do if they want to learn more about EOS? You know, we're talking a lot about EOS today, which is a great opportunity. I, I think again to have a professional EOS implementer here um uh you mike and and um and uh you can learn learn more about mike at uh, m1courttraction.com but if uh you know so we're talking a lot about this but um what's the best way for people to to learn more about this if they, if they want to know uh, how, how do they how do they find out more about eos whether it's something that's right for their business or even if it is what are the different options for how they could implement it in their business yeah, so there's a number of things they can do. <clears throat> they can go to the uh, the website, uh, which is www.eosworldwide.com. Right. And there's a number of resources there where they can learn more about what EOS is. Um, there's a lot of the same information there as on my website. Uh, mm -hmm. But some things I recommend is... Um, 
<clears throat> buy a copy of the book Traction, which right. is... It's also it's, on Audible. Yeah, you can get it on Audible. Um, and play it at 1.5 times speed, or if that's your thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, but the, the great thing about it is it's the fictional account of a company in Minnesota um, going through their first year with EOS um, from implementation to their um, annual annual offsite. Um, uh -huh. So it's, it's actually a really fun read. And it'll give you a great understanding of exactly what EOS is. And then for your area, um, you can also look up and find an implementer close to you who will do a free 90-minute meeting with, with you as the owner of the company and your leadership team. And right. it costs nothing. It's a great resource. It, I mean, it, it's a great yeah. resource. You're going to get some some tools you can use for your business right away out of that 90 minute meeting and it costs you nothing. Right. right. Even, even, even if you wouldn't use that implementer, if you decide to implement it yourself, I mean, that's, you're going to have some tools to do it. Right. And, um, okay. All right. Very nice. So, so maybe, maybe we'll go back backwards again. You know, we went, we're going back and forth in time. Um, so, uh, you know, I think one one thing that's really interesting, and actually, I had I hadn't noticed this before, but right before the interview, I went back to your website again, and I saw that I saw that picture of, of you with President Clinton on on Marine One, and just reminded how tall he was. Yes, and that, like he was like bending down in that picture, but um, but I mean, so ten years in the Marines. I mean, first of all, thank you for your service, and it's it's amazing, um, that uh, that that you did that, and and thank God that there are people. Uh, you know, there's Americans, you know, many of them, every, you know, every generation as <laughs> as people that do it. And, you know, so then thank God for that. Um, and, uh, you know, how did you end up in the Marines? And, and, and over the course of that career, how did you end up, I mean, ultimately becoming a, a crew chief leading, you know, for a couple of years, you know, taking the president around the world in, 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 in this helicopter? How, how, how did that happen? <clears throat> well, so how did I get it in the Marines? Um, yeah, I, was, I, was, I was attending the, uh, I was going to the University of Minnesota, um, and I just really didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I had spent a little bit of time in Air Force ROTC. I wanted, I wanted to fly in some capacity. Um, but after a couple of years, I was just spinning my wheels you know, I was working almost full time while trying to go to school. It just wasn't working. And I happened to just walk by a Marine recruiter's office and mm -hmm. um, had a great conversation. I took the ASFAB test. And after I took the test, he said, well, what, you, what is that? Uh, basically, that's the it's the armed forces aptitude test. OK. Um, and, you know, it measures measures your competency and skill in a number of different areas and I scored high enough that you know my recruiter said well basically you can do whatever you want in the Marine Corps. Um, Is that a written test or it's physical also? Uh, it's a written test. Okay. Yeah so you know it's a series of math, verbal, mechanical, situational um, questions and things. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so um, I was able to go in guaranteed that I would be a, a helicopter crew chief. So really? so I did that. That's pretty specific. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so I did that, um, was stationed out in California, right here in Orange County, um, mm-hmm. for my first duty station. And my squadron was sent to the Philippines on three days' notice in... Uh, in June of 1990. Okay. And, and so we were supporting what I was doing in June of 1990. It's about yes. to go to summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we were, we were supporting uh, special operations over there. Um, and, uh, so oh. when, when Iraq invaded Kuwait, uh, we were already gainfully employed in the Philippines, mm-hmm. so so we stayed there, and we wound up uh, we wound up being wound up being overseas for just short of a year, wow. and then when when we came home, uh, HMX one, which was the presidential squadron, uh, they were basically doing a um, a recruiting push to. Uh, recruit um, air crews who had been deployed overseas um, during, you know, what which was one of the uh, the biggest experience building operations uh, that that we had seen for quite some time, uh, whether it be in the Philippines or in the uh, or in the Gulf War. Uh-huh. So, <clears throat> yeah. So my boss. My boss was going. Um, he said, "You know, I think you should come with me." So I did, uh, and and that was just an amazing experience. You spend the first two years um, building up your skill set by flying the vice president, uh, foreign heads of state, joint chiefs of staff, uh, secretary of defense. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I flew the Gore family uh, for their first flight uh, into the Naval Observatory after after Al Gore became vice president. Right. Uh, you know, when Tipper Gore was the uh, the first to arrive at the helicopter, and when I saluted her, she stopped dead in her tracks, turned beet red, and said, "Oh no, you don't need to do that." And I said, "Oh yes, ma'am, I do." <laughs> Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, and then so, so it t- takes about two years to get on the Marine One track, and then when an opening comes up, all of the crew chiefs and mechanics in the squadron vote on who's going to be the next Marine One crew chief. Uh-huh. You know, so to me that was the biggest honor in that it was all of my peers saying right. that they have the faith and confidence in me to represent them, um, you know, on the South Lawn of the White House and all over the world. Right. I, I, I don't know if you feel uncomfortable asking this, but what, why do you think they did, out, out of all the people maybe that they could have chosen, what, what were the personality traits or personal dynamics or whatever? Like, what, why do you think that they did choose you? Um, I've always had a... I've always had a reputation in the Marine Corps of being extremely calm in difficult circumstances. 
mm-hmm. and being able to execute even when um, things seem to be really bad. Uh, you know, and that Is that something that came up in, in the Philippines? Yeah, that came or, up in the Philippines. That came up in the Philippines, came up uh, um, other places as well. And um, yeah, and I think it was probably also my honesty. Uh, you know, I, I don't tell people what they want to hear, um, mm-hmm. regardless of their rank. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so if, if it's the, uh, you know, commander of the squadron, who's a full, full bird Colonel, but his dog's ugly, I'm going to tell him his dog's ugly. Okay. <laughs> And uh, well, I'm starting to see where this experience is is coming in uh, coming into play in your current uh, practice as an EOS implementer. Also, well, and and that that is an asset, and that's the value that business owners get out of uh, bringing in an implementer. Is you know, we call it entering the danger. Right. You know, when when we notice that there's tension and conflict we're going to we're going to call it out and we're going to get it resolved. Right, right, absolutely right. You got the elephants in the room. Yeah. I think there's a there's another there's another EOS uh, implementer consult co- company uh Culture Shock out there that uh, that has a uh that their their like symbol of their company is the buffalo uh, because of this uh because of this concept. I don't know if you've ever seen these guys uh, because of this concept that uh, that a buffalo, like when a storm is coming, you have like the wildebeests or whatever the other thing is out there. Maybe that's the wrong continent. I don't know. But the other animals would uh, would uh, you know retreat away from an oncoming storm, uh, but they end up because they're going in the opposite direction as the storm. That when it eventually catches up with them, it actually rain on them for longer. But then the buffalo would run towards the storm. So because they're going the opposite direction than the way the storm is traveling, they end up being in the storm for less time because they go right into the, you know, because they enter the danger, as you said. So uh, I like to, that to, 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 to symbolize that concept. They, you know, they have Buffalo images and all over there. <laughs> anyway, check out cultureshock.com. S H O C is the way they spell it. But anyway, okay. check it out. But um, so, uh, so two other questions I'd like you to choose which one or both to answer, which is just, first of all, any other great stories, any other interesting stories or funny stories uh, from, from your time in the Marines. Uh, and, and secondly, I'll ask you the same thing, which I did about your experience with the Marina and with, you know, your mother-in-law's business and the, the, all the HR stuff uh, as a chi- as a child. And, you know, how, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but how did, how did those experiences in the Marines, you know, form who you are or what your experience is now that, that brings you, you know, some experience to, um, uh, you know, that, that, that informs who you are now and, you know, and, and why you're able to do what you could do today. So <clears throat> and you can go straight to the second one if the yeah, stories, is, <laughs> a question is hard to think of. On this no, I, I, I can tell, I could tell, I could tell stories for the next 30, 45 minutes. Okay. Uh, but you know, the one, so there are three words that um, get thoroughly ingrained in you as a U.S. Marine. And those three words are improvise, adapt, and overcome. 
And I would say that those three words, um, as I have seen them in practice over the course of 10 years in the Marine Corps, has defined who I am as a business leader Mm -hmm. and um, who I am now as a business owner and and a coach for others. in helping them adopt that same mindset of, you know, rarely does a plan get executed perfectly. So, so if you get stuck on the problem with execution, you're going to have problems. Whereas if you expect there to be an issue when you're executing, right. you're already prepared right. to be able to improvise, adapt, and overcome. Right. You know, right. like they, right. you, right. you, 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 you anticipate know, like they, likely, yeah, go ahead. Like they say, you know, no battle plan survives the first shot. Right. Yeah, you know, and that's what I love about the EOS system is. <clears throat> It's flexible. It's adaptable. You know, you do the quarterly meetings where you review. Okay, how do we? How do? How did we do in the in the past quarter? And mm-hmm. how are we going to use those lessons learned uh, to create our plan for the next quarter? And you know, that's ultimately how we succeed. Right. Right. We're, we're at which of the quarterly goals? Which of the rocks? So do we achieve? Which do we not achieve? Um, and we're resetting the goals every quarter. It's not uh, it's exactly. Not the same. And um, improvise, adapt, and overcome. And the honesty that we talked about earlier, and uh, and, and very nice. Okay, and uh, you know, listen, Mike. Thank you very, very much for all your time today, and uh, for sharing uh, your experience. That you know, all the different. Uh, lives that you've lived and um and uh the different businesses and and uh, also just your eos expertise uh which i think is very valuable uh a very valuable for thing thing that people for people to take away uh for people to take away from this or listening and um so you know thank you very much i really really appreciate it and thanks for coming out today yeah my pleasure and thanks for uh thanks for including me on this i appreciate it yeah, absolutely all right, thank you very much, and I uh, just remind everybody to, uh, if you could please uh, leave a review, subscribe. Hopefully, it'll uh, you know helps the algorithms uh, make make the value that we're hopefully sharing here more accessible to more people. And uh, thank you very much, and have an amazing day. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host Ben Wolf.